weak. You're going to get strong when you're consistently fed a good spiritual diet by your shepherd. And Jesus said they're weak or they're scattered. And so I, I say it this way, Christians stay weak and get scattered brain if they are connected to their shepherd. You know what scattered brain is? That's Jeremiah chapter 3. The ones that have a lot of knowledge, but they don't know what to do with it. And so they'll take scriptures, they'll quote them out of context. They'll, they'll take something they thought somebody said that they thought they said. Here's what I think it means. Well, God said he gives you a shepherd to help you understand what it means. And then you understand what it means, you can apply it and change your life. That's why you need to be in the church consistently. You know, I think I think about when I was first preaching, I saw something that, uh, I, did, I did a lot of series. I used to do a lot of series, but Pastor Dave gets to do the series now. And I just get to listen, so it's good. I like to learn off my son. He's got the same Holy Ghost, but he sees it different, says it different for a lot of things than what I do. It's the same principles, things I taught him over the years, but it comes out of him different with his flavor, and I learn things when he talks. But I, I found out something. I found out about the casual church attenders. Casual church attenders, the Bible talks about be not deceived. They don't understand that when they come once a month or once every two or three months, they see everybody again, and they don't think they missed a beat. They don't realize that most of the people there have come several services a week all that time they weren't there. And so they'll come up then, and they'll have a serious question about life. And then when they... I saw this for, for years that I caught on what was going on. They, they come up and have a really serious question and want me to counsel them. And then they tell me, in this area of life, I say, wow, I wish you'd have been here for the last eight weeks. I taught that every Sunday for the last eight weeks. And I, I got where I got bold enough where I could say this, you know what? I've really, really, really got a busy schedule. Just go to the bookstore and buy that series of tapes. Sit down and take notes, listen to the tapes, look at the verses, and you'll get all the help you need. And I don't, I don't condemn them for not being there. I just let them know if you'd have been there, this crisis you're going through, all the answers were there, and you weren't here to get it. And so you know what they were? They were scatterbrained. That's what Jesus said. They're scattered. They're weak and scattered. Didn't Jesus say that? Well, the New Living Translation through Pastor Samples calls that scatterbrain. Amen. And so then now I want you to look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. And again, I've shown you why, why every Christian needs to be connected to their pastor. Every Christian needs to be consistent in church attendance if they want to win in life. And these are all Bible verses, and we all believe that the Bible is the holy written word of God, right? We all believe that the Bible was inspired by the Holy Ghost as men of God spake. That's what it says. It's inspired by the Holy Ghost. And so this is the Holy Ghost, the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had, the same Holy Ghost that Paul had and Peter had, is the same Holy Ghost you have and I have, and he bears witness of our spirit. And so as we read these verses here, if we'll listen with our heart, if we've been people that have been lukewarm with church attendance and never really, really got the church habit consistently for any time period at all, maybe this will inspire something in you, 
help you get a hold of why, why it's so important to God, and then you'll be able to alter your lifestyle. And the next time Satan tries to pull you out or tell you everything else is more important, you'll stop and think, wait a minute. There's nothing more important than being connected with my shepherd to the spiritual realm. Because when I'm connected with my shepherd that feeds me at the word of God and gives me strength as he teaches the word of God, then it's going to help me to overcome these things that's all the time pulling me under. It'll help me lead my family. It'll help me raise my kids. It'll help me do, do a better job on my, on my job so I'm not in trouble all the time. Amen. And so Acts 20, verse 28, this is the first pastor's conference that I see in the Bible. And uh, Paul's talking to pastors, and he tells the pastors, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. And for a pastor, that means the first thing a pastor's got to do, his first responsibility is to have his own spiritual life. Take heed to himself. And I like to say it this way. How many here has flown on airplanes? Anybody been on airplanes? What do they do when the lady comes out there, the man, and they start telling you, everybody look at me and pay attention. They get that one part, and they pull that mask down. And they do the little like that, and they put it up like that. And they say, now, if something should happen, the cabin should lose its whatever. And say, then this mask will drop down. But then they say this. If you have a little child with you, or an older person, or someone that's not able to do it themselves, don't put it on them first. Put it on yourself first. After you've taken care of you, then you can help them. You can't help them if you black out. Well, to me, that's what he says here. He says, pastors, take heed to yourself first. That means pastors should have their own uh, prayer closet life, their own Bible study time, their time with the Lord to get strength. But pastors stay so busy. And the reason he's saying that, because pastors that get into the flesh will let sheep run them around all week long and wear them out. I remember one time, one of my sons, none of the sons here in California, but uh, I like to do little mechanical things, and I'm pretty good at fixing little things. Where I knew how to fix watches, and one Sunday this guy comes to my church and says, Hey, Pastor, your boy said you fixed my watch for me. We fixed my watch this week. I let him know I'm not a watchmaker. I do my own stuff and make stuff for my family, but I've got to, I've got to have my own spiritual life to take care of feeding God's sheep. I don't have time to work on cars. I don't have time to build houses. I don't have time to dig your ditches. I don't have time to do those things because I would not be taking heed to myself. I take heed to myself and then I take heed to you. If I don't take heed to myself, I'll spiritually black out. I'll have nothing for you. I'll come into church. And I walk in and I say, uh, we're going to have a prayer meeting tonight and I'm the target. Please pray for me. That's never happened. It's not going to. Boy well, says, take heed to yourselves and then look at this. And to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Who is it that makes a pastor to be the one over the church? Come on, somebody give me an answer. The church board. Well, if the church board is the one that makes you, the church board is the one that's got to heal you. Put your marriage back together. Take care of you. No, it's not the church board. The Holy Ghost makes you overseers. And what are you supposed to do as a pastor? Feed the church of God, which he's purchased with his own blood. Now, a little inside of that overseers and that feed, that means, that means to shepherd. And that means 
to tend, to feed, to lead, and to guide. That's not just teaching the Bible. We tend to you. We feed you. We lead you to green grass, like Psalms 23 says, and still waters. That's what we're called to do by the Holy Ghost, but we take care of ourselves first. So pastors, pastors are called to help guide you through life spiritually, to show you how to make the right steps in life. That's what we're called to do. Why would the devil want to keep you out of church? He doesn't want you to have a shepherd with God's heart to show you how to come through 2022. And like Pastor Dave said well ago, when it was coming to 23, to come through 2022, be ready for 23 so you can win. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, I'd rather have God any day and his pastors that have Google and Facebook. We don't need 5,000 likes to succeed. We just need one like. Psalms 512 says we're surrounded with God's favor as a shield. That's the only like we need. And then have the pastors that he wants us to have. So anyway, we're talking about, we're talking about why you, why believers, every believer, they stay connected to their pastor. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse uh, 7 and 8. We're going to actually be going up to verse 15. But I'm just going to just make a quick run through here because i got a couple more places I want to go to. But I want you to see, I want to say it again, why God says, do not forsake the assembling of the saints together, as a matter of some is, so much more as you see the day approaching. Ephesians 4, verse 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace. That word grace there, grace, there's lots of different uh, words for grace in the New Testament, but that word grace there means divine enablement. We're given divine enablement according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And we're going to see who he's talking to here, what this gift of Christ is. He says, Wherefore he saith, we led. Uh, when he set it up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. According to the measure of the gift is the anointing we have, the, the grace we have, he gave gifts unto men. Now, I want you to skip up to verse 11. Let's see what these gifts are he's talking about in this passage here. See what these gifts are. And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some of these gifts... He gave our pastors and teachers. He said that ministers are a gift from God to Christians. That's not a big head on my part. Pastor Dave's or any preacher that's really a God-called preacher, they recognize the seriousness of our calling. We are Jesus' gift to the body of Christ. Period. We're God's gift. And see... There's no pride in that. You know, people say things about, oh, I think they are. God's gift to mankind? Well, if you've got a big head and you think you're something special, then you're in trouble. But if you recognize God's the one, that he says, I give grace and I give gifts. Then it says that he gave gifts unto men. So yes, we are God's gift. And if you get a big head like that, then guess what? Your gifting days are numbered. Because... Jesus said, he that's the service the most is the least. And so we've got to recognize, we've got to recognize we can do nothing without him. 
But through him, we can absolutely change families. We can change cities. We can change corporations. I think about some of the people I've got to pastor over the years. Give me a president or a CEO that will sit under my ministry that God has sent to be here, and I will teach him to be a good Christian. His corporation will change. You give me somebody that works down at McDonald's or, or uh, Walmart, and there's nothing lowly about those jobs. But you give me a CEO or a worker at another level, and we'll change the place they work by what we put into them. Because we're God's gift to help them. Amen. And so in other words, when people can receive the gift, and what we're teaching you is this, is, is how to receive what God gives you. And you recognize what God gives you, and you open it up. How do you open up the gift of pastor? You come into a church, Bible, pen, notebook, and then it really helps pastors if there's some amen sometimes. You know, not, not that we're going to, I think, preach any different, but and the, the, the more you pastor, I think the less that matters. But especially younger pastors, and then the older ones like it, but when you're saying amen, you're opening up the gift because you're releasing faith. Well, that faith is hitting the heart, and the heart opens up, and more revelation comes out. Amen. I'm talking about if God says it's a gift, it's a gift. But then I want to look at some of these benefits right here about this gift. So it says right here, he gave, he gave the gifts, the pastors and teachers, for the perfecting or the equipping of the saints. Do you, want to be, do you want to be spiritually equipped for what God's called you to do? It says pastors are a gift from God to equip you for the work of the ministry, for the edify of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, have the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect, or the center call says, a spiritually mature. Do you want to mature? you want to grow? Then that's why God wants you to come to church regularly. That's why God wants you connected to your pastor, because God says your pastor will feed you of knowledge and understanding. Says he'll equip you. And when you're equipped, when you're equipped to serve in the church, I think about people in the church that are supervisors. I think about people in the church that are nurses and teachers, different ones over the years. When you get equipped in here by your pastor teaching the word of God under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you're a better school teacher. You're a better nurse. You're a better supervisor. You're a better employee. You get, you get equipped in here to win, you'll take it with you. I want to say it again. Why does God want you in church regularly? Why does God want you connected to your pastor? Praise God for TV preachers, internet preachers, preachers that write good books. They're all good. But God says specifically, I've got your pastors there with you to equip you and teach you. And then he says, verse 14, another benefit, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight or the cutting craftiness of men whereby they lie awake to deceive. You know, there, there's a lot of people have a lot of opinions about the Bible, but what God says about the Bible is what you've got to know. And I've never been a Bible debater. I, I just refuse, I refuse to go down that road. If there's a hungry person that has sincere questions, I'll sit with them all day and all night and I'll help explain the Bible to them. But if there's some religious nut 
that wants to debate the Bible with me because that's not the way they believe it. I don't have time for them. They're lying in wait to deceive. And so this says that God, through his pastors, will help you not be tossed to and fro, will help you to be balanced in your Christian faith. And then verse 15. This is really, really, really such a serious thing to have your pastor. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things which is head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love. A real pastor... Now listen to this. A real pastor, a God-called pastor that's called by God, he's your pastor, you come to him for help, and he can see where you're missing it at. He's not going to be concerned about what you put in the offering. Whether you're a person that puts a lot of money in there because you got a really good job, or you're a person that doesn't put anything there, or you have very little put in there, he's going to be moved by one thing. These people come to me, they're about to lose their job. Their marriage is breaking up. Got a serious diagnosis. And I see a big flaw in their life. Am I going to speak the truth in love? I'm going to say, that's okay, honey. Let me pray a nice little prayer for you. Go on out there and die. Go on out there and lose your family. Go on out there and lose your job. Or am I going to say, you know what? I'm going to have to tell you the truth. Can you handle the truth? Can I help you? Say, yeah. I'm going to say, you're meaner than a junkyard dog. I've seen how you treat your kids. I've seen how you treat fellow Christians. I see how you treat the people in this church. That's hatred. That's vicious. And, you know, I don't have to quote any verses. If you're a Christian that reads the Bible, you know that God said God is love. Faith works by love. Love one another. Forgive and forget. And so... If you're a shepherd, you're going to speak the truth of love. You're going to look him in the eye and, you know, take the chance that they can handle it and they're not going to smack you. I mean, if they're mean already and you're telling them the problem's them, then what are we doing? We're speaking the truth. But you notice what he said, in love, in love. In other words, pastor's heart says, because I love them so much, i got to take a chance that they're going to get mad at me too. If they get mad at me and leave, I won't be able to help them anymore. But because I'm a God-called pastor, I'm going to speak the truth in love because if I don't, I'm in trouble with God. So I want to be in trouble with them, this person. I want to be in trouble with him. I'm going to take a chance to speak the truth in love. And then once I've done my part and spoke the truth in love, they got a chance to grow up or to throw up. They got a chance to get in the book or throw the book. They got a chance. They got a chance to change, but the main thing is, is this. Once I've spoke the truth of love as a shepherd, then the blood's on their hands if they decide to reject it. You see, why, why does God want sheep to have a shepherd? Because a shepherd called of God has power in their words. And when we speak the truth in love to a sheep that's doing wrong... There's power in our word to help them change. Is this good preaching or what? Amen. This is why sheep have to have a shepherd. That's why I said don't forsake the assembly of the sheep together. Uh, uh, to, together, the congregation together. I'm getting the watch call from Mrs. Pastor, so I realize it's getting late. Let me finish two more passages 
We got to help you. Look at First Peter chapter five. And you know, some people probably didn't even realize the Bible has as much to say about shepherds. All I did is pulled out a lot of familiar verses that are familiar to me for being a shepherd. I'm going to look at verses one through three, and then we're going to go to Hebrews thirteen. We'll we'll close it down in Hebrews thirteen. But you've got to see these verses. First Peter five verse one. says this, the elders which are among you I exhort. He's talking about the pastors. And then he says the same, same thing in verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind. That means don't be a dictator, pastor. You can be, you can be strong in authority, but you don't have to be a dictator. You don't have to hurt people. You can have authority because you have to. But you don't have to hurt people and be mean to people. He said, but of a ready mind, not for filthy lucre. That means not for the money. Now look at this. Uh, neither being lords over God's heritage, but being in... Do you see right there after the EM, what's it say? Huh? Samples. That shows you you got the right pastor. <laughs> huh? I thought that was pretty cute. I saw that there. Because mine's... Mine's got a hyphen right there where the E ends on one line. Then it says, samples to the flock. <laughs> anyway, it says, and you know, with, with, with not making a joke out of that, it says pastors are examples to the flock. Now look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. And I want to make a statement about this being examples to the flock. Hebrews 13, verse 7. And these verses are to build up your faith and to give you faith. As a matter of fact, I just thought of it. If you know Christians that really say things like this, one of the dumbest things a Christian could ever say, well, I don't ever have to go to church. I'll be just as good as Christian as you. Deceived, 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 deceived. I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. That part there is true. You have to be born again to go to heaven. But... If you want to live a life of victory on earth, it's good to go to church as much as possible. I've given you a bunch of verses that show you why that is. Now, verse 7, keeping that thought in mind, being examples to the flock. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. My page has flipped all the way over. Verse 7 says this. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken of you the word of God. Well, that rule there doesn't mean dictator. Greek says that we have the lead, we have the spiritual guide. We lead and we guide you through life. That's what a shepherd does. Who have spoken to you the word of God, taught by pastors, whose faith follow, whose faith imitate. Considering the end of their conversation, that means considering our spiritual walk. What's the fruit you see? We're examples to the flock. And so what that says to me is this. Uh, pastors are God's examples in a nurse suit of how to live a victorious Christian life. God gives us as examples in an earth suit. It says, imitate our faith. Consider the fruit in our life. Consider our conduct. And it says, we're examples to the flock. Can you see that? And so, you know, I know that for me, we're going we're to close at verse 17 in just a second. But I know in my life, I still do this. I don't know about you. When I went to church, 
church, I sit out there at Doug's seat, or Alice's seat, or Raymond's seat. But I'm sitting out there on that side, and my pastor was on this side. I watched every move he made. I didn't just, I didn't just listen to the words he taught. I, I talk, took a lot of notes. But if some kind of disturbance happened in the service, I watched how he handled it. If I knew the church was getting hit with some kind of a problem, I watched how he handled it. And I'm so glad I studied my pastor all those years because I got to be a pastor. I think, man, I saw that happen, and I saw what he did. Well, I go to the big meetings where Dr. Barclay has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and something, something dumb happens. A lot, a lot of sheep, because they're not pastor, I mean, I catch something that tries to disrupt the service. But if you're a pastor sitting there, you've got yours up anyway, and you're watching. We see things happen to get things changed that nobody caught because they caught it before it got out of hand. And so I watch my pastor's faith now even to see how to handle things. He says, for you as Christians, you watch us. You see what we do, considering the end of our conversation. Did we win or did we lose? How we handled If we lost a battle, what did we do to recover? Now, verse 17. Verse 17 is so important. And, you know, whether you agree with the Bible or not makes no difference. It's true. The Bible's the Bible. Obey, obey them that have the rule over you. That's the spiritual guide, the leaders, the overseers, the shepherds. And submit yourselves. And submit yourselves. And submit yourselves. To me, that simply means hook up. That means hook up and be a part of the family. Hook up and be a part of what's going on. And, uh, you know, to me, I'd even go a step further. If you got wolves come in, want to start trying to shoot, chew on sheep, or discourse tries to come in through troublemakers of the church, you ought to be ready to defend and take up. I'm talking about if you got a good shepherd, if you got a jerk that's doing wrong things and bad things, no. But you do not want your, your spiritual family scattered and hurt. It says, submit yourselves. For why? They watch for your souls, that they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is improbable for you. So listen to this now. Why you need to be connected with your pastor. Pastors have a grace from God to see things in your life that fellow believers can't see. I cannot tell you how many times in 30 years I've been minding my own business my life during the week and all of a sudden I see you. I see you getting under attack. I see you, talk about you as individuals sometimes, I see you as getting hit about to fall for something. But God says he gives pastors grace to watch for your souls because we got to give account. And so we see things in your life that fellow believers can't see, and we, we have to answer to God for your success or failure. You are responsible for what you do with what you teach, but if we're not teaching right, if we're not telling you right, it's on us. And if you fail then... I mean, if we're not telling you right, it's on us. If you fail, then we share that failure. But if we're telling you right, we're teaching you right, we're warning you, showing you what to do, you don't do it, then it's on you. And then when I give an account for your soul, sad to say, I'd have to say, Lord, I only saw them twice this last year. Jesus, 
They only come once a month, so I really don't know who they were. Remember when Jesus said some people are going to say, we did all these things, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. It's sad to say there's going to be a lot of pastors to have to answer to God and people go, hey, that was my church, Jesus. They're going to say, pastor, give an account for them. I say, Jesus, honestly, I don't remember ever coming. Or Jesus, you know what? They come and they told me that this was their church. They'd be here forever. They could be right behind me. After they said that, they got so far behind me, I never saw them again. And that's not joking. That's true. So Jesus said that pastors give an account for your souls. And so when I became a pastor, I wasn't in this business very long as a pastor. I saw this. I mean, I always heard that verse, but I was a pastor. All of a sudden, it hit me right between the spiritual eyes. And I said, wow, he's talking to me. And so I said this to the Lord. I've always stuck with it. I said, Jesus, if I have to give an account for their life, and you're going to hold me accountable for it, you better tell me something in their life then if I have to answer for them. And so based upon what he said about pastors giving an account, if he doesn't tell us what's going on with you, whether there's something we need to know about it, then he couldn't really hold us accountable. And so guys, I want to tell you, every Christian needs to be connected to their pastor. It's a very real spiritual thing. And based upon the word of God, this is the number one thing I would tell any new believer and any believer has been a church hopper, find out who your pastor is, hook up with that church family and every possible thing you can to be there every time you can be there. But don't feel guilty if things come up that you can't come. There's no condemnation, but just make it your habit. Make it your habit. Just like you got the habit of going to your job, going to the gym or whatever you do, make it your habit on your calendar. You pick, you mark down Sunday church. Sunday church, if you're possible for the Wednesdays, the rest of it, do it because God has a plan for your success. And right at the top of that list is be a serious church attender. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand up. Amen. How many actually saw something about pastor tonight maybe you never saw before? Amen. Amen. I believe we received help tonight. Well, as your as your pastors, of course, I want to say it again. I'm the uh, what am I called now? I'm not for sure. I'm the oversight pastor now. He's he's the head pastor. You're called the head pastor. Well, all these new words they got now, I don't know them. But I'm I'm the oversight pastor. He's now the head pastor. And so you need you need to recognize Pastor David for who he is and what he's got. Because this grace I've got, I've still got. But this baton's been passed to where he's the one that God's given the primary grace for the everyday things you need. And I think he's doing an awesome job, don't you? Amen. Amen. Well, if you need prayer, if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. We want to help you. And we'll lay hands on you. We'll just, whatever you need, we're here. We're anointed to help. So if you need it, come and get it.
tonight. Praise God. Amen. I, I took a lot of good notes myself there. And, and seriously, those are some very, very wonderful verses and just an awesome, awesome uh, teaching uh, on, on why it is that every Christian needs a pastor. And again, I hear this argument nearly every week from somebody somewhere about how they don't need church and how they're just fine. And then I look at their lives and I'm like, oh, dear God, you need church so bad. You need a pastor so bad. So amen. But but we're grateful uh, for all that uh, that the word promises us. Amen. All right. Well, hey, I want to remind you that tomorrow night, six o'clock is going to be our national day of prayer event. Amen. All right. And, uh, just go, come on out and you, hey, you can bring someone with you. And as I've said, there's, you know, other events going on in town too. So those will all be great. But we've just kind of had ours planned for a while. So we're going to stick with it. But, uh, six o'clock tomorrow night, we're going to do a little bit of worship and just get into some time of prayer. And it's going to be absolutely an awesome, awesome time. I'm really excited. So don't miss out tomorrow night at six o'clock. And then this weekend is all the Mother's Day celebrations. We'll be celebrating all the moms in the biggest, best way we can. Can. Amen. So let's uh, give it up for the moms. Hallelujah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close out tonight. Speak some words of faith over Barstow and get you on your way. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen in your word tonight. Lord, Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, God, about what your plan is on for us to be healthy Christians, Lord. We thank you for the gift of the church, Lord. We thank you for the gift of our spiritual leaders, God, our pastors and others, Lord, that you've sent into our lives to help us. And so may we never, ever uh, make little of that, and Lord, uh, and may we never ignore your word, but help us to be doers and obeyers of it so we can grow grow and be everything that you need us to be, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for it. And use us this week to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let's say it together tonight. Amen. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you tomorrow night, 6 o'clock.